Welcome back to Option 5. My name is George Brooks, and this week on the podcast, we're talking to Rodrigo Davies. Rodrigo is the Senior Product Manager and Team Lead at Strava Metro. And Strava, if you don't know, is an incredible fitness tracking tool that allows you to track your cycling rides, your runs, your hikes, and more. But Metro, the Metro Group, is an incredible team that focuses on saying, how can we help make the community, the the space where people do these activities better by offering that data back to the community itself. So they do a lot of work with actually sourcing through the data, connecting it back to who's using the spaces, the bike lanes, the hike, the hiking trails, etc., and um, what can make those better for the riders every day. Love this um, conversation with Rodrigo. We really got into how they think about their teams. Um, working small and then working across to serve each other so that they're not necessarily being slaves to one another. Like you have to do this work because I'm demanding it, but instead saying, how can we make the experience better for our customers? Um, He talks about being a painkiller instead of a vitamin, right? So how do you actually solve problems that are actual real pain points for clients as quickly as possible? And then finally, because of Rodrigo's background in journalism, Um, He actually gets to bring this really interesting skill trait of being empathetic, asking really good questions, taking lots of notes, but then boiling that down into a good, concise story, um, and really how that helps him be a better product manager. So I think there's a lot of power in thinking about how the world of journalism actually prepared him to be an incredible product manager at Strava. I think you're going to love this conversation, so let's jump into it. I'm a product manager and lead the team at uh, Strava Metro, um, which is a, a group inside of Strava, um, which partners with um, cities, uh, states, national governments around the world um, to make active transportation better for everyone. So um, helping people bike, walk, hike, any other active mode to, to get to work um, and helping improve the infrastructure they have to, to do that. So yeah, how I kind of how I got here. I've been um, at Strava yeah for about a year and a half now. Um, I've been a product manager overall for about six or seven years. Um, actually, first started my career as a journalist, uh, business and economics journalist. Uh, I spent a lot of time kind of working with data and talking with people um, and trying to find interesting stories. Um, and then kind of mid career, uh, went back to grad school. Um, decided I really wanted to to focus on the product side of things. Um, and what was interesting is that I found, you know, quite a lot of those skills that I developed as a journalist um, in terms of research, um, interpreting what people are saying, um, turned out to be pretty useful as a PM. I love that. Honestly, I think that that's a huge parallel. Journalism to product is something that I've seen before. And at that doing that research side of things and knowing how to just communicate really well with people, it goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think as a PM, you spend so much of your time um, trying to make sure that everybody is on the same page and that we have a good kind of shared understanding of, of what's the problem we're trying to solve. Um, and then when things don't go to plan to be you know very good at um, being proactive and communicating, things aren't going quite quite well and, and I'm bringing together conversations we need to have to, to get things back on course. So tell me a little bit more about your role now at Strava. And I'm, I got to be honest, I'm kind of a Strava nerd, so I'm a cyclist, I, I'll be at a 
um, not an excellent cyclist yet, but I, I do love riding and Strava is my go-to tool, uh, connected to my, my Garmin. And I love what you guys are doing with data, but tell me a little bit more about you, your team and your role at, at Strava. Yeah. So obviously Strava is a really amazing community, um, of active people, you know, it's been around for, for 10 years now. Um, lots of cyclists like yourself, um, lots of people doing other, other sports, um, and different activities, you know, I quite like to do swimming. Uh, there's a ton of walking, hiking, e-biking is now is now um, oh, sort yeah, of a growing thing yeah. as well. Um, I recently switched to an e-bike myself um, for commuting purposes, and, and I really love it. In, in living in a hilly city like San Francisco is pretty helpful. It's brilliant. Um, so you know, it's really it's it's really a, a privilege to to get to um, kind of build products um, around. Uh, you know, the Strava community as it exists. So Metro, um, what I work on. Um, uh, was started uh, about four years ago, um, and it's a really organic story. Essentially, you know, you you have some all these people recording their activities. You have this incredible insight into where people are moving around. Is there some way that we could learn from that? Because if you're, say, a transport planner trying to figure out where should I put the next bike lane, or is my previous bike lane project is it working? it's very expensive to gather that data. You can install video cameras, you can install sort of the electronic counters in the ground, you can have people stand out there with clipboards and count. Whichever way you do it, um, there's a significant upfront cost. And, you know, what Strava offers is kind of, we already have that insight. And what's even even sort of cooler is that um, because we've been around for 10 years and we're global, uh, we can essentially go back in time. Uh, so oh, if yeah. a customer um, or a potential customer comes to us today and says, you know, I just heard about Strava Metro. We didn't think about doing another one, but we, we just don't know if that first one was successful. Can you help us figure that out? We can actually be really helpful there. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, it's important to say not everybody's on Strava, right? So we're a sample of the overall population. Um, but what my team does is work on tools to both sort of slice and dice um, the kind of insights from from the Strava community, but also to figure out how can we kind of match this to the real world um, so we can, you know, uh, uh, kind of draw conclusions about the whole population um, sort of inspired by by what people are recording on Strava, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I love how you guys are thinking about basically crowdsourcing, you know, what, what a group of people are already doing to get that data and, and provide it back to the cities. It's amazing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just so excited to, to work on this. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of worked sort of in, um, local government in the past companies that were you know providing services to, to government. And, you know, I really feel that uh, local government is just where so much of the action that affects us on a day to day basis is happening. Um, you know, there's always a lot of focus on kind of federal level politics, but honestly, you know, the thing that affects your day-to-day happiness is is going to be things like, you know, is is my road um, plowed of snow so that I can get to work? Do I have, uh, do I or my family have like safe routes to get to school mm-hmm. on time? Mm-hmm. Um, do I have affordable options to, you know, uh, get to the store um, or buy groceries or whatever it is? And I, I just really like working on those kind of local problems um, because they, they feel very specific, you know, that each community is, of course, different. But when you look across kind of um, larger areas, there are also things that, you know, a town over here can 
learn from tech in this space is you can you can really scale out those solutions and and make it affordable. Um, and I think that's also another key key thing that 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 we're doing. Um, so when I first joined Strava Metro, um, we were predominantly working with large departments of of transportation. So uh, Transport for London, for example, the state of um, Utah, state of Texas, Queensland, Australia, they're very large areas. And what we were finding is we were getting so much um, uh, outreach from small and medium sized cities who, you know, who are saying, look, we, you know, we would really love these insights. We have much less data than, say, a, a London um, or a Texas to, as a starting point. Right. But there's nothing out there for us. Um, you know, we can't afford these sort of video cameras or counter programs. What can you do? Um, and for us, that was kind of a challenge because there are, there are so many small, medium-sized cities. So we really had to think about how folks could access where it would be um, affordable for them and also affordable for us to essentially to serve them. Um, so that's that's what we've been focused on. Well, that's fantastic. So, so tell me a little bit about your team structure, or how are you? How are you set up? I guess is the the best way to ask it, because we're always trying to look for better understanding how companies collaborate to actually get their work done. So, what's your, what does your team look like? I think, from a product development point of view, we do things in a reasonably conventional um, sort of agile format. Uh, the three legs of the stool: product design and engineering. Um, we're really you know, defining the problems we're trying to solve, scoping them, and kind of agreeing on the work um, collectively. Not that there's anything particularly magic about that, but you know, it's a format that that people are pretty uh, familiar with, and it's easy it's easy for people to ramp up on because of the sort of conventional wisdom around it. But I should say that you know, Strava has you know a number of other teams that we uh, depend upon. So our platform engineering team builds and maintains a lot of the systems that we that we use. There's also a geo infrastructure team that's really focused on the, the kind of deep, complex problems around mapping and geospatial data. And they're, uh, you know, similarly um, sort of constructed. But yeah, important to say that, you know, the, the eight team of the, the eight people on Metro are able to move very quickly and efficiently because Strava has built this amazing foundation, um, you know, of, of engineering and product. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, what's amazing, it sounds like that you actually really work between teams really well. Um, so your team at Metro needs to lean on the data or the resourcing of the platforms that you have across all of your tool sets. How do you do that? How do you communicate cross teams? Um, or what's the rhythm on um, the way that you make sure you're collaborating across the company? Yeah. So I think one one important thing there that, um, you know, that we established pretty early on is you know, that no team should treat another team as essentially a servant. Um, so there shouldn't be like service organizations where, you know, you're going to another team and say, hey, we need this thing and we need it in the next week or two weeks. Um, if you have that kind of culture, then, uh, you know, teams are not incentivized to solve problems in the right way. They'll just try and kind of, okay, let me get this off my plate. Let me meet this deadline. Right. Um, Whereas um, if you're asking for help from another team, so by definition, it's in a space that you yourself are probably not an expert. And so you sort of predefining the solution is not the right way to go about it. Rather, before, you, before you're talking about, hey, I need this exact thing built, you say, okay, what are we trying to do, say, in this next quarter of the year or this next half? Like, how might we, you know, a- attack some of those problems? And so... To, to give you a concrete example, uh, so for, for Metro, you know, a big part of our product is being able to count things accurately. And so as an example, 
you know, a lot of our partners were saying, hey, we just want to be able to see where are the most popular places that people commute through a city. And right, we just kind of right. want to see like what are those corridors. There are loads of different ways that you could possibly do that. So we had a, a chat with our geo infrastructure team and said, this is kind of what people are looking for. How would we do that in a kind of scalable way that sort of works across the world? And they happened to already have a kind of a tool set, but there was a perfect fit for what we were trying to do. And so they were able to kind of repurpose some of that and develop it and say, okay, now this is actually your corridors tool for a planner. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's an example of, you know, if we had tried to figure out what is the perfect way to solve this, um, we wouldn't have got there. And they also would have just been given a kind of list of demands. Um, but instead, what we had was um, a kind of a co-created challenge that they were excited about solving. And, you know, then that they we were also able to have a good feedback loop, right? Because we said, hey, here's why we want this thing. Here's the customer problem. And then um, once we'd actually put it in front of, of customers and potential customers, we could go back to the geo team and say, hey, this was the feedback. And they would understand what the feedback was. Oh, that's huge. Um, I think when you're in, just the last thing I'd say is when you're in a big organization um, or a larger organization, the challenge is that, you know, teams' time is so finite and there are going to be competing priorities, um, of course, all the time for every team. So when you're trying to collaborate with another team, you need to really equip them with why does your problem matter and why do we have to solve it now? Um, and if they're not fully bought into that, it's, it's hard for them to really excel. Man, that's that's an incredible culture because there's a lot of trust built into that where you have the space that you can actually go to them with this opportunity or this this challenge that you're you're trying to accomplish or whatever your customer segment is because in some ways there's there I wouldn't say they're competing but you have two distinct or maybe multiple distinct customers, right? Cuz you're serving more of the communities or the cities and then of course the maybe the rest of the platform is serving the the riders, the runners, the the swimmers, etc. Um, but yet there's a common goal um, that you guys get to share on making sure that both is in service to each other. And I think that's that language of saying I'm not a servant to you and I'm not um, a slave to you. And I guess in some ways, instead, how do we help each other both to to accomplish both of our goals? That's really powerful. Yeah, I mean, I think you know an important part of of you know, what the Metro team is, is trying to do is to, is to show that through line of, you know, that every effort on Strava that, that people make and record counts towards something. And we're doing it because we believe that if we serve those people well, you know, they will build better infrastructure, which will in turn benefit the people who are out there being active. And, you know, we constantly need to be able to reinforce that and understand why everything we're doing helps that. And if we can't, if we as a team can't communicate that through line to say the geo team or another partner team, then what are we doing? Right. Right. Um, so every feature we build, we need to understand how's a planner going to use it. How might that actually impact people who are out there? Oh, it's so huge. I'm so excited to be doing this because again, as a cyclist, I, um, I live on the edge of town. So I live kind of out in the really where it's a little bit safer because I just kind of leave town to drive away from the Kansas City metro area. But occasionally I ride my bike in, which is about a 25 mile ride, which is, it was a great, it's a beautiful ride, but Kansas City is not a cycling town, um, you know, compared to like, you know, in Austin or San Francisco. And so we're just getting bike lanes. And so there's this challenge of like, 
what is that really a bike lane? Is it really, um, you know, put in the right spot? Um, do cars even know what to do with the fact that there's some dude riding a bike on the side of the road? So you're actually helping me as they're, they're taking that data potentially and making those lanes better, putting in more lanes, putting in um, a safer space for people to, to be doing what they love already. So it, it serves both the fact that I have a way to track my ride and, you know, share that with everybody. Uh, what's the old, the joke with Strava people is always like, if it wasn't on Strava, it didn't happen. Um, but then, then you're actually be able to get that back to, to the city. That's, that's amazing. And, I, and thank you. I'm just going to say thank you because Kansas City definitely needs that information. So yeah, it's it's really a, just a, such a pleasure to be able to work on these kinds of problems, you know, for for that reason. Um, and you know, every place is is kind of different. And the other thing, you know, that that I've seen a lot is um, much like building any kind of community, it it takes a while for for things to kind of accumulate and for there to be you know momentum, uh, and 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 also to to get more people comfortable, right? So you might be you know quite a regular cyclist, you feel sort of confident going out on the on the roads in Kansas City. There are lots of other people who should have that option, who perhaps you know maybe they they occasionally ride or they rode a long time ago, but they think oh, there's no way I would go out there among all these cars. You know what we need to drive towards is no no pun intended is you know, letting everybody know, hey, you can be out there. It's comfortable. It's going to be safe. Drivers are going to know what to do. Um, and in a lot of places, we're quite far from that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So there's there's a lot of hard work to be done. Um, just as it happens, I've I've ridden a bike in Kansas City. Uh, I've ridden the kind of bike share bikes around. Yeah. Um, Terrible bikes. I, yeah. I mean, they're you know they're pretty heavy. Yeah. Uh, they are pretty heavy if you're trying to to climb a hill. Yeah. And so I think we're at a point where it would be great to see like that model evolve and and see the kind of hardware improve. And you know, e-bikes help a little bit, yep. Um, yep. especially for folks who are older or have you know um, other mobility challenges. Um, they can be a, a great on-ramp for people. Um, but yeah, yeah, biking in KC definitely has its, its its challenges. It does. It does. One day we'll get there, and and hopefully with Metro helping. Um, okay, so I I want to shift the conversation a little bit. You you sound like I mean it sounds like um, just in general Strava has really got their stuff together, especially as I think about their engineering teams, how you guys collaborate both on your dedicated team and then also across teams. But what are some challenges that you guys face? What are some things that you come up against that you go, you know, we're still trying to figure this out. This is an area uh, we need to grow, or some things that you maybe even personally feel in your role. Yeah, I think you know, as as a small team, I think one of the challenges is trying to figure out how to, from from the huge soup of things you could possibly work on and that are exciting, how to narrow down on the things that you, you really should be working on and where you can really have an impact um, on some kind of time frame that you can foresee. Um, I think that's the biggest challenge. Um, and I've, I've worked in earlier stage companies before where that challenge is even more extreme, where it's mm -hmm. like, well, if we make the wrong choices, then the lights aren't gonna stay on. Um, uh, and, and so I think that's, that's probably the, the biggest challenge. Um, the prioritization and decision-making, uh, that's something, something we're thinking a lot about here at Crema. And we talk a lot to our clients about is how do you, how do you prioritize when you, there's so much to be done? Um, I, so I guess maybe throw that back to you a little bit, go a little deeper into that. Whatever, what are some ways that you've found that, to, that you do take, I mean, now Strava has got this huge community, lots of requests I'm sure are coming in or, how do you how do you prioritize what gets done? 
Yeah, so I think in, in the Metro context in particular, um, the kind of cliche is, you know, you'd rather be a painkiller than a vitamin. Right. Because if, if someone's in pain, they absolutely need that painkiller. A vitamin they might take if they're in the right frame of mind. You want to, you, clearly you want to start with being um, that painkiller, find where those pain points are. And I think it's, it's not necessarily that challenging to come up with, say, the, the top five or six pain points in a particular area. Like you do, do a bunch of user research, you, you hear what are the things that keep coming up again and again, and that generalize across different organization types. Once you've identified those problems, I think kind of, um, I think I've seen a lot of teams sort of get, not necessarily in Strava, but elsewhere, I've seen a lot of teams get to that point and they're like, great, here's our six problems, our six kind of high level user stories, now what? Right. Um, I think one thing I've kind of learned there is there is a balance between um, you want to try a little bit of a few of them to see, you know, you don't know which of the six necessarily you're going to excel in or are going to be the most easy to, to execute on, but you probably can't try and tackle all of them at the same time. And ultimately, if you're going to take a successful product to market, you're more likely to be successful if you solve one of them end to end than if you partially solve four of them. Yeah, so true. Um, how, how do you run those experiments? I mean, I guess, how do you test those assumptions across maybe a few different ideas that you're trying to to solve for and see which one's the one putting that, you know, full steam behind? Yeah, so we would start, you know, first by kind of doing it in conversation, talking through a problem um, uh, in, in a way trying to get the the person that you're talking to to describe how they would think about solving the problem um, and really break that down. Um, then we would... Um, or usually share kind of wireframes or sort of lo-fi designs of some kind. I think it depends on who you're talking to as to how successful that step can be. Yeah, because, sure. you know, those of us who work in the product world, we're so used to seeing a wireframe and saying, oh, okay, I can see I can see what that does. I can see where that would go. If you're someone who's never been exposed to this kind of product development, you might say, well, I don't get it. It looks really ugly. Or why is it all in black and white? Or why are you showing me something on a napkin? Um and so I think there's um, what we found if, if we're talking to response, it's kind of feels real in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so go maybe a little bit higher fidelity. Um, that's something we, to, that's something we yeah. did uh, at Crema maybe two and a half years ago. We just literally stopped doing all wireframes for the exact reason that you're describing. Um, and honestly, our designers with new tools like Sketch or Figma or whatever you're using. Uh, they're just so much faster. We can get to something that looks almost completely real in a fraction of what it, the time that it used to take us with, you know, Photoshop or you know, name your other tool back in the day. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot there in terms of people need to be able to put themselves in the position of okay, how is this going to solve this? So I'd say that that's mostly how we we kind of test and validate ideas. Is just obviously the the old age old principle of get them in front of people as soon as possible, and then. Uh, expect that you're going to be wrong and be kind of ready don't put testing at the end of your sprint cycles as kind yes. of icing on the cake and validation the va validation is often the way people will talk about it but that implies that you're right and you should assume that you're probably wrong yeah that is that's a very good advice uh, assume that you're wrong and be pleasantly surprised if you're right right exactly um well 
What are a couple takeaways? So I know you're in the product management position and you kind of oversee this, this team as you guys are moving forward. I, mean, I, I don't know if you want to use the language oversee, but you're, you're, you're leading the product forward. When, when you're talking to someone who's maybe getting into the world of product management or even just getting to the world of technology and design, et cetera, what are, what's are pieces of advice? What's a couple takeaways that you would give um, to help people do their job better or maybe get into this space faster? Yeah, so um, in terms of getting into the space, um, the is get used to answering questions and asking questions with data. So if you have an opinion about something, think about like what is the what is the data that I would need to kind of back this up, um, and and uh, that's something that whatever role you're currently in, it, you know, if if you're in a in a company that's building software now, great. You can actually start applying that in, in whatever you're doing. Um, you can, you know, d- d- figure out how to dig up the data yourself, or if you have like a, an analytics team, you can ask them um, to help you. Um, developing the skills of like getting and querying data are just really important. You might uh, end up in a company where there's someone who does that for you if you're lucky, but there's no substitute for knowing how to do it yourself. And I think in terms of the like raw skills that PMs have, that's a really important one, being comfortable, just kind of working with data. Right. And so I think that's a, that's a great muscle you can kind of train even before. All like most underrated qualities of a PM is being able to listen and synthesize um, and get comfortable having the same conversation a number of times with different people um, and do and really value that work of figuring out where are people now? What do they believe now? What are their kind of assumptions and where do we need them to be? And what is the gap between those two things? Um, And so a lot of that is patience and listening, but being able to steer conversations. And I'd say the most important thing is be able to document and communicate it and communicate it clearly. Uh, it's really easy to write long documents. It's really hard to write short ones. So, so true. So true. I say to people, you know, get good at writing short ones, which means maybe you meet with four different people for half an hour each and you got all these notes. You have to figure out how can you turn that into two paragraphs that all those people spoken like a good journalist, it sounds like. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I think that the speed of writing and editing um, is, is definitely really helpful there. Well, Rodrigo, this has been really helpful. I think I love what you, obviously what Metro is doing. Um, uh, just, you know, selfishly, it's a, it's something that I'm benefiting from, I think. Um, and hopefully we'll continue as, as Kansas City, uh, I hope, buys into what you're doing. Um, but also just the way you're thinking. Um, I think Strava has built an incredible culture for engineers and for, for product folks. Um, being, like you said, a, a relatively small company for how big your audience is, um, that's, that's incredible. And then, of course, your small team that's focused on, on doing this, this good work. Um, I love it. Great feedback. Um, where, where do you go to learn to become better in your craft? So whether it's product management or maybe even the, the, the space you're working with in communities, What's a source of um, either inspiration or education that you use? Yeah, places I go to learn. So, you know, I, I think my best learning has always come from uh, from other people in, in the field. Um, and so where those people are sort of shifts over time. I think there was a point where Twitter was kind of the go-to and you could follow, you know, product management Twitter and, 
um, from a few people, you you could kind of pull out, okay, what are the threads that people are talking about? Right. Um, I think that that is still there. I think just getting a general pulse of what are people talking, what are the topics that people are talking about? I find that to be very helpful. Um, having said that, it will be quite sort of um, trend based. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you'll understand like what is the hot thing. Uh, and so I think there's a place for that. I think if I'm wanting to get better in, in what I'm doing at Metro, uh, spending time with customers um, and where are, where are customers, where are the people in the field? And that can range from going to conferences, sure, but also looking at um, uh, even the research community. So the, one of the nice things about transport planning, unlike some other fields, is that there, there's often like quite a strong connection between what people are doing at, say, some of the top universities and then what is being done on the ground. But as a, a lapsed academic, a PhD dropout myself, <laughs> you know, I'm well aware that uh, often being in academia, you, you just feel like nobody's listening. Right. Uh, like nobody's reading these papers that you're publishing or trying to publish. Um, and what I've found is if I take an interest in the, in the research that's being done in the field, um, those people are really excited to talk about it. Uh, they're really excited to engage and you can just learn a ton. I think the hard work is that you have to be willing to really get into the details with people who are going to spend their whole career, you know, working on something at a depth um, that, that most people just won't. Right. Um, and so I think that's kind of where I I get most excited is is like, can I find the true experts in in something and you know, figure out how what can I pull out of this um, that's going to help me in in what I'm trying to build. And, and I think there's there's real reward there where you go to places that other people are not going because they're either too technical or too niche or perceived to be boring. Mm. Um, that's probably one thing I would say, like, you know, working in transportation planning now, people will often say, well, it's, it's kind of boring and kind of technical is actually where some of the most interesting work and, and learning can happen because people aren't paying attention. Um, and so if you, if you go in there and you do pay attention, you know, you're you're seeing something truly novel. Does that answer the question? It does actually. And in that you're then in that point, you have an opportunity to create value where maybe there wasn't value being created before, um, which I think is so much more exciting. A lot of the work that we do, uh, we could totally say it's boring. We work with you know cybersecurity and managed services is kind of our two biggest areas at Crema as a service provider. So it's not like I'm getting to build consumer apps or games or anything like that. Um, you know that that work on its surface level is boring, but then I go back and I go, it's helping you know, massive global businesses make really tough decisions. It's helping, you know, people be, get protected so that our information doesn't get, you know, stolen. I mean, like that kind of stuff, you look at the, the outcome and the value that it achieves. And it's a lot more fun when you start looking at it through that lens. Well, I want to wrap up because I know we're a little bit over time, but I really appreciate it, Rodrigo. This has been a, a lot of fun. Um, I, uh, I'm very excited to get this out and share it to the world. And um, as as we move forward, I'm excited to see where Metro goes um, and what you guys create to, to help communities and, of course, help the people that are they're taking advantage of being active in those communities. So thank you for joining us today. So, yeah, one thing you know that I'm really excited about is um, we're launching a new version um, of the Metro product um, next month, um, which for the first time is going to be a truly sort of self-service experience. So cities um governments of all sizes um you know will be able to come to metro.strava.com and access insights about you know active travel in their area so 
super excited to, to launch that and make that available to people. Awesome. That is fantastic. I will be sure that we, we share that as we're, we're posting this out. Uh, well, again, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And I really appreciate your insights and your thought leadership uh, as we're thinking about helping people build better products and better product teams. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation with Rodrigo. Um, they are thinking about a lot of really cool things about how they can serve their customers, both on the tracking side, the the experience side of their their um, activities, their riders, their runners, their hikers, but also in the communities where these people are doing these things. Um, so I loved hearing him connecting those two worlds, kind of two different customer groups, but both being served by the work that Strava is doing. And then um, really, I love how, again, he connected his world of asking really good questions, being empathetic and listening to his users and to his customers and then testing and validating their ideas. <laughs> I, I, I kind of get a kick out of it because I think we all do it. We all want to validate, hoping that we're going to be right. But he made the statement that maybe we should validate assuming we're going to be wrong and then be pleasantly surprised when we're right. So such good information there. As always, I love that you're joining us on this podcast. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. And if you can, if you value the content that we're putting out here, give us a, a review on iTunes is great. A five-star review with a little comment there goes a long way to tell the world that we exist. We try to get that episode out every Monday. And so make sure you subscribe so you can get that in your inbox next Monday. As always, thank you for listening. And I hope this has helped you to build a better product team and a better product team culture. 